You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we work to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear the good news about the person and work of Jesus and as we scatter to share it. We hope that you enjoy. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said to one another, If Joseph is holding a grudge against us, he will certainly repay us for all the suffering we caused him. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before he died, your father gave a command. Say this to Joseph, Please forgive your brothers' transgression and their sin, the suffering they caused you. Therefore, Please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when their message came to him. His brothers also came to him, bowed down before him, and said, We are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 to 21. I cannot say that I have ever actually watched Soapies. However, between you and I, I know that my mom and sister used to watch them, and I do remember sitting on the floor, uh, playing with my little metal cars, and hearing that dramatic music. And then hearing the summary of what happened last time. You know, last time on The Beautiful and the Damned, or, you know, whatever the uh, name of the show was. And I'm not judging anyone who watches Soapies. And I must confess that I am speaking in ignorance, but here is what I think that I know. Nothing ever changes on those shows. <laughs> Someone is always dying or thought to be dead, and then is discovered that they were alive and that they were watching everyone else doing everything in life. There's always someone who is being tricked into falling in love with the wrong person. There is always someone who starts at the bottom and then works their way to the top, being the richest and seeking revenge over the people that tried to hold them back. Well, you may be one of those boring people who think that soapies have nothing to do with the Bible. But where did all the good stories come from? The soapy writers didn't make them up. Today, we skip ahead to the good part of a long story. We're dropping in on a midway point uh, of the creation of God's first people. After Abraham received his promise, but before Moses received the law, we have Joseph. However, let's talk about his father for just a moment. Now, here's where you need to imagine the dramatic music. Jacob. <laughs> he started off weak and privileged, an ankle grabber, the scripture tells us, making his older brother do a lot of the hard work in the birthing process. 
He doesn't want to leave his mother's womb, though he latches onto his brother and is born second, receiving the lesser inheritance. But not if he can trick his elderly father, Isaac, that's Abraham's son, to give him the birthright instead. And so he does. He deceives his brother, he tricks his father, and he will receive the larger inheritance. He receives the birthright. However, this also means that his super manly brother is going to want to kill him for most of his life. And one day, Jacob decides that he wants to marry a beautiful woman named Rachel, and he promises to work without pay for her father for seven, seven years to marry her. And on the wedding day, the young woman's father pulls a switch, <laughs> and Jacob marries the older, no offense, less attractive sister, Leah, instead. And unsatisfied in this, he decides he needs a second wife and works for seven more years to marry the original girl. And now he is stressfully balancing two families and being on the run from his older brother, whom he betrayed. Oh, and now his father-in-law is hunting him as well. <laughs> In the midst of all this struggle, God shows up. Physically and with reason. To wrestle. That sounds a bit strange, because it is. It is a well-fought battle. Jacob got a lot stronger than he was in his youth, and yet he loses. And for the rest of his days, Jacob walked with a limp. And that would be a pretty good soapy right there. I think that SABC would totally put that on TV. But we're not done yet. Jacob has 12 children. And as though he learned nothing, decides to favor the first son of Rachel over Leah's boys, who were ten in number. Picking a favorite child, just as parenting advice, is not a good idea. And things don't go well in the home. Because of this, Joseph, the favorite, is thrown into a pit and sold into slavery where he is carried away to Egypt. The brothers lie and say that he died, which upsets uh, Jacob very much. And it would probably be true soon enough. The favorite child situation was sorted. Except, little did they know, this favorite child would have a twisting and turning life still ahead of him. Joseph gets mixed up with the wrong kind of slave master who's Wife likes owning and controlling the people around her a little too much. A would-be affair goes wrong. Joseph gets fired. Well, kind of fired. He gets thrown into prison and left for dead, marked as a slave who steals. Not a good reputation to have. And yet through this, he hits it big. He helps the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and becomes one of his most trusted slaves, his most trusted servants. He's given a lot of authority, and he serves the whole nation well. In fact, at the end of Genesis chapter 41, it says that all the surrounding nations came to Egypt looking for help and food because Joseph had properly prepared Egypt to be the breadbasket and the food giver of the region. He serves the whole world as he knows it well. Now, wouldn't you know, out of the desert sands, in great need, desperate even, comes a group of men that may be strangers to Egypt, but they are well known to Joseph. 
It's his brothers. And here they come, crawling back to him. Well, they don't know it's him. They're going to need food, and they're going to need to beg for it from Joseph. Great. So now is his chance to pay them back, right? But not in a simple way. Instead, in a very soapy-like fashion, Joseph drags out his reintroduction to his family. He wants to see if any of them have changed, if they would do the same thing all over again, sacrifice a brother to get what they want and need. So Joseph sets up a trap. But Judah steps in and begs for the life of their youngest brother, Benjamin. And it is at this point that Joseph gives up his investigation. Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 to 9. Joseph could no longer keep his composure in front of all the attendants. And so he called out, send everyone away from me. No one was with him when he revealed his identity to his brothers, but he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and also Pharaoh's household heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But they could not answer him because they were terrified in his presence. And then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near me. And they came near. I am Joseph, your brother, he said. The one you sold into slavery in Egypt. And now, don't be grieved or angry with yourselves for selling me here because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land for these two years and there will be five more years without plowing and without harvesting. God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you that sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Return quickly to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me without delay. Again, that was Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 to 9. And there is our big reveal. The brother who was dead is alive again. The family is reunited and all ends happily ever after. Well, not exactly. But that does end the soapy nature of this family story for the time being. And here we want to notice some of what just happened. Don't be angry with yourselves, Joseph says. Joseph is forgiving them instead of punishing them. Now we may be tempted to leave the story there. We might be tempted to say, be like Joseph, be respectable, do good work and serve and love your neighbors and family. Then you will be living your best life now. But that's not the point the writer of Genesis is getting at. First, consider the actions of Judah. His brother, Benjamin, was accused of theft, and he had done it for all Judah knew. But instead of give a brother up for his own survival, he, Judah, the innocent older brother, willingly gives himself and his life in place of his brothers. Judah substitutes himself. Also, notice the language Joseph uses around his circumstances. God is the one who sent him. 
not his brothers, selling him to slavery. God has a plan to preserve life. In fact, he even says to make a remnant, something God is always doing throughout the whole Bible. Joseph does not just act in a forgiving way towards his brothers, but he also wants to preserve their lives. He does not just want to not have them killed or enslaved. He also wants to have them fed and given a place in Egypt. They try to kill him, and he's working to save them. Joseph is an instrument in the hands of God who is being used to make a home for God's people where they can grow and prosper into a great number. He's the tool used by God's hands to show God's deliverance. So the one that was hated by his brothers, brothers, by the way, who desired to know that he suffered and died, actually ended up saving them in the end. This from Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 24. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man known to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your presence, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Jesus here is the son who the father was well pleased with, and his brothers, his countrymen, got rid of him. He is sacrificed by them, but also for them. What Jesus' brothers, the nation of Israel, meant for evil, God meant for good. Paul calls us inheritors along with Jesus, calls us adopted children. Jesus even calls us his brothers. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 5 to 15 read like this, For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who, for a little while, was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, 
that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. We are the brothers that Jesus was betrayed by, and we are the brothers that Jesus died for in order to save. Our passage today from Genesis chapter 50 uh, is slightly different than Genesis 45, which we've also read, because now Jacob is dead. And the brothers were nervous that Joseph was just waiting it out to see if he could get revenge after their father died. Chapter 50, verse 16 again. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before he died, your father gave a command. Now, notice they're sending a message ahead. They're, they're scared. This is the act of scared people. And we don't even know if this is what their father said, but they're going to go ahead with it. Say this to Joseph. Please forgive your brothers transgression and their sin, the suffering they caused you. Then they say, therefore, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when their message came to him and his brothers also came to him, bowed down before him and said, we are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. And here, Joseph specifically promises that they will be cared for. The one who they sinned against comforts them. And gives them good news. And notice what's happening here with evil and good. Throughout Joseph's story in Genesis, God's name is brought up a lot, but all of the talk about him is very general. However, here in verse 20, connected also back with chapter 45, we have the most theological statement about God that Joseph is going to make. And... It's the statement that latches on to the promises given to their great-grandfather, Abraham. You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. When Jesus is betrayed and when he gives himself up for us, he does not just act for the survival of many people. But he forgives. He does not simply save life here and now. He saves life for eternity, bringing many sons to glory, as the writer of Hebrews said. The Apostle Paul echoes this discussion of evil and good and lets us know that, indeed, Jesus works all things together for your salvation. Romans eight twenty-eight to 30 And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called and those whom he called, he also justified and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Jesus works all 
bad, all evil. He works it all together for our good and our salvation. The story of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph is not just some nice little stories that establish a people. It's not just a history. They are stories that also direct us to Jesus. All of the Old Testament was written pointing to him and gives us the language that we need to understand what he did for us on the cross. When we read these Old Testament stories, we must remember, especially in one like Joseph's, that it is not just a good story of forgiveness and a good picture of substitution. It is that. But that it is also a story that God is telling over and over again throughout his word. So that when we get to Jesus' death on the cross, we can see that Jesus himself is your substitute and he is your forgiveness. We know how the story of Joseph's people ends and we know that God does some other very big things in order to rescue them. We know that they grow into a great multitude, that things were good in Egypt until the moment that they weren't and that they needed to be rescued. But here's something else beautiful that we see in this story. And even as we know, Jesus is the, the, the leader of this last and final great exodus where, where he is bringing many sons to glory. But I love the picture of Joseph going into the land of Egypt and preparing a place for his family. You know, that's what Jesus is doing for you and for me. He's, he's preparing a place for us. He has a place prepared for you. He has a place prepared for you in a promised land. And you know that that place is yours because you know that his death for you on the cross took away all of your sin and your filth and it gave you all of his righteousness. Jesus is the brother that sacrifices himself for us and he is also the brother that offers forgiveness to us through that sacrifice. May his name be praised forever. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.